Okay. Okay, we're rolling. All right, this is the London Day Game Podcast, episode nine. I have actually recorded this podcast before. So me and a student, we'd worked together previously in field and he wanted to have a coaching call. Uh, so we went and had a coffee and he wanted to record the conversation on a dictaphone. And then at the end, I was like, hey, this, this would be a really great podcast. Um, we went back and listened to the recording and unfortunately there was just way too much personal information of the guy in question for it to be put out. And I was really annoyed that we had to lose great content, so I thought it would be a good idea to actually go back and re-listen to the podcast, re-listen to the conversation, and turn it into a podcast for you guys. So this is an intermediate Q&A. We go for a lot of topics, uh, stuff on pre-approach, just sort of general set questions, stuff about texting, stuff about dating in a game, uh, SMV, and some other stuff like vibe. So listen in, and I'm hoping, hoping that there'll be something in here for you. So just as a bit of a precursor, this guy is an intermediate. Uh, he's already had a few day game lays, and now he's starting to work more on the pre-approach and learning how to actually get out onto the streets and look for, what I would say is look for, look for sex and not sets. Okay, let's dive in. Okay, so the first, the first section is pre-approach. And uh, the student that was, he was, let's call him Mr. S, was asking, what do I do if she's giving me mixed signals? So that's a really great question. You know, he, he went on to say like, you know, what if you get an IOI or she's giving other signs of openness, but then well, that's the positive side. On the negative side, you know, she seems closed off to the world. She's rushing maybe from A to B. Uh, she looks like she's got a scowl on her face. She kind of looks like the kind of girl who is maybe not, not up for talking to people today. So what he's talking about there are the 50-50s. This is one of the problems that will come in when you start to apply a pre-approach filter, which is that you, you start to see girls where you think like, ah, oh, should I do that one or not? You know, sometimes you'll see girls where you're like, okay, yeah, definitely do that set. You know, she gave me an IY. Or I'm definitely not doing that set. She's clearly going from A to B. But what happens when you see this mixture? And to cut a long story short, you want to do your best to try and settle this debate, settle the debate in your head in your favor. Because there are two ways you can be wrong. You can either act when you shouldn't have act, acted. So you approach, she's a no-go or you fail to act when you should have acted. So you didn't approach, but she actually would have been a maybe girl or even a yes girl. And the key is that I would much rather be wrong in the first way. I would much rather act when I shouldn't have than not have acted when I should have. So I'd much rather be wrong, so I'm willing to take that risk and start to open those 50-50s. And to be honest, like once you're at the intermediate stage, you know, the cost of approaching, opening, is minuscule, it's really, really low. But of course, there's that massive upside. But the good thing is that, you know, you're, you're doing your pre-approach filter, so you don't have this draining experience of having to feel that you have to open everyone. Because it can be a massive burden to think like, oh God, I gotta go out there and, you know, do, or do another 10 sets today. Whereas if I was to look at them objectively, 
I would probably know that five of them were just going to be no's anyway. I was literally just doing them for the arbitrary goal of doing 10 sets. Uh, when it comes to mixed signals in terms of the positive side of the spectrum, um, the signals where she is showing a clear interest in you specifically are the best. So obviously if she gives you an IOI, she looks right into your eyes, or she gives you a double take or something, then yeah, I'm going to do that one no matter what. I don't really care what's going on. I'm going to go do it. Even if she's maybe on the phone, I'd, I'd still go do it. But, uh, you know, like for example, if she was walking... Well, here's another example. Sometimes when girls walk really fast, the energy kind of becomes displaced into their hips and they move side to side. So there's this question of, is she moving fast? Uh, or is she just horny? Or both. And in as many of those cases as possible, I will try and do the set. But, you know, I'm going to have to get enough positive signal to match up with the, uh, the fast walking, whatever the negative signal is in this case. So this goes on to a really good question, second question from Mr. S, which is, what should you do about, well, the fact that it seems that in London, the hottest girls, they always walk fast. Um, the first thing to do is to think, are they just fast walkers? You know, you can kind of tell if a girl is just an A to B girl. Uh, like a wing of mine said, you know, you don't want to find A to B girls, you want to find girls who are going from A to D. As cheesy as that sounds. So, you know, have a look at her. Look at her eyes, you know, is she focused straight ahead? Looks like she's zooming somewhere. Does she have her phone in her hand? Her hand? Is she just looking down at her phone <clears throat> clearly looking at a map or something? Or is she just walking along like normal, but just fast? Um, so when it comes to these this sort of hot girls walking fast, you've got to think that what they're almost saying is like, I'm going to need a guy to jump a bigger hurdle to come and approach me. They're going to need more dominance, because if they're walking fast, you know, a lot of guys who are a bit nervous about it, they won't do it, they'll think, oh, you know, I'm not going to be able to get her to stop. So... You've got to look at her and think, okay, right, if I'm going to do this, I have to do it with full conviction. I'm definitely going to have to be more dominant. I'm going to have to use a harder stop. I'm going to have to be willing to actually really get in her way. What I often do, actually, is if a girl is walking really fast, I will get in front of her. Then I'll take a couple of steps backwards, <clears throat> and this will allow her some space to actually walk into. Then she stops. Then I can get on with my step. And bringing this back to the idea of the pre-approach, you know, I'm going to need a specific level of hotness for me to go and approach a girl who is really zooming down the road. Uh, because, you know, most of the time, they're not really just fast walkers, you know, they are actually trying to get from A to B as quick as possible. And I like to think, do you know what, it's okay if I don't approach her today, because, you know, I don't want to... Um, sorry, I, I might actually see her again. There's always a chance. But then there's also the idea of being kind to your fellow day gamers. You know, she might be going from A to B today, but she might not be two days later, and that might be when another day gamer goes and open her, opens her. And maybe it could be that you opening her <clears throat> while she's in this rush is going to give her a bad impression of street approaches. So anyway, for me, I would say to actually really open a goal who's going at that speed, I probably need her to be a, 
a solid sort of eight, which in London is quite hard to come by. Okay, next question. Uh, this is a quick one, which is, should I wait for the girl to cross the road if she gave me an IOI? So important thing with this question is that if a girl gives you an IOI, it's important to act on it as soon as you can. You know, not don't jump on her as she comes by you, still like let her pass. Count to one, two, three in your head and then go back after her. But you want to get it done as quick as possible because when you act on an IOI, it's showing the girl that you have that social acuity and you can pick up on signals and that, you know, you kind of just get it. You know, guys, guys who get it, in quotes, they know that girls show interest the most with eye contact. And so you want it to actually be kind of fresh in her memory. You want it to be more like she saw you, she carried on walking, and then suddenly, ah, you're there. And she never thought you'd come and say hello, but you did. Maybe she's even thinking to herself, oh, I should actually go and say hello to him. And of course, if you turn up, then that's, that's just perfect. So getting back to the crossing the road thing, I would still let her cross the road. Uh, that's just because when a girl, you know, you'll know you've done day game for long enough, like if a girl's at a crossing, then she'll have impetus to go forward. So what you want to do is let her act out that impetus, let her get across the road, and then you can stop her on the other side. Another thing is that crossings can be very congested. They're often congested. So for the sake of her spotlight effect, you want to wait until she's crossed the road and she's beyond, you know, obviously like not just the crossing area, but a little bit further on. Next one is, is quite related. It's, uh, so if you get an IOI from a girl in a congested location, what should you do? So what I recommend is actually to go in completely, well, not completely indirect, but definitely not direct. Because again, it's, it's her spotlight effect. You know, what does she think about being approached with all these people around who can hear what's going on? So in this case, I don't go in with a, oh, do you know when the next bus is gonna be? That's, that's too indirect. Instead, I might say, look at her and say, oh, excuse me, do I know you? And it kind of makes sense because, you know, she's given me the IY, you know, it's like a, an acknowledgement that we've noticed each other. And then I can go on to say, yeah, I, I noticed you, you were looking at me just there. I thought we must know each other. And of course, you, you won't know each other. So she'll say, oh, um, no, I just noticed you. You, you. Maybe she'll say you're very striking or you're very something or other. And then... What I like to do in these situations, and by the way, this obviously doesn't just have to be a bus stop, it could be inside a cafe or inside a restaurant or something. So you're, you're into the conversation, and then what I like to do to actually bring intent into the conversation is, rather than show it to her, is to show it towards myself. So for example, we might be saying, oh, okay, see, you, you don't, we don't know each other for any, anywhere then. She says, no, I say, oh, okay, oh, must, I must just be really handsome then. I caught your eye. And you say it with a smile and it's supposed to be a silly joke, so playfully narcissistic. And at that point, she'll know that you've moved the conversation into something that was kind of interesting but platonic to man to woman. So, <coughs> excuse me. At that point, she'll show her hand because she knows what you're doing. And she'll either sort of 
ease out of the conversation, you know, she'll go back to her phone or something, or, uh, or if she sticks in the conversation, then keep going. You know, typically as well, in these ambush situations, you know, you don't really want to stay there forever. You probably want to be there for one, two, maybe three minutes tops, and then take her number or take her Instagram, it doesn't really matter, just get some sort of contact details. Okay, so one thing I want to clarify before moving on was there are a lot of questions there which were based off of IOIs. You know, what should you do when she gives you an IOI in these cases? First thing is, I have a lot of rules. You know, like I, I typically, I, I don't do two sets unless she gives me an IOI. I normally won't follow a girl into a shop unless she gives me an IOI. Or I wouldn't do an approach in a sort of congested environment unless she gave me an IOI. Now, there's as you as you have more experience, you get to know what is a true IOI and what is a girl just thinking like, oh, he looks interesting. That's the first one. The second one is that you want to bring in this kind of mindset that any time you change a girl's behavior, uh, it's because she likes you. Now, obviously, this isn't always going to be true, but it's a beneficial mindset to have. So what you can say is that, oh, look, if a girl even just happens to notice you while she's at the bus stop, in the cafe, whatever, tell yourself it's because she's interested in me. So one thing I might do is uh, sometimes I'll go and sit down in a cafe to take a break and have a coffee. And if I happen to notice a girl there who's quite, like, who's good looking, then what I might do is um, see if I can catch her eye one or two times, and I know if it happens twice, then I'll go over and with my, you know, oh, do I know you sort of line, and go and open. Um, also, it's really important to, to, to pay attention to women's eyes. You know, I, I said that before, you know, that's how they convey their intent. But women are giving out these little signals that they're into, into guys all the time. And you don't just have to be tall and good looking to get an IOI. You know, you can have something just interesting about yourself, or you could just be that girl's type. And to be honest, what I've described here is quite a low risk way of opening. You know, you go in, you show the intent towards yourself, you see, see how she reacts, you take a quick number, you're definitely not going to be bothering her there. And this comes up a little bit later, because uh, we talk a little bit about issues with um, proximity, and um, actually, let's, let's just jump into the next section. So this is about general set questions, and it links in because the question was, what should I do if I have a hit and run that goes well? You know, guys will typically, guys might start their session with a few hit and run compliments just to get themselves in, in the mood. Um, what they might do, is, they might go up, say, hey, excuse me, can I just tell you, you know what, you look really nice today. And every now and then the girl is just going to crack open a big wide smile and, uh, you know, you feel like, oh, this is like a good set, I should stay in here. Um, so this links into what I said before, which is that in these situations, you want to describe the situation, like show her that you're aware of what's going on, give your false time constraint, and then, you know, introduce yourself. So let's say... You're doing a hit and run, okay? And you say, oh, you look really nice. And she's like, oh, thank you. And she's kind of blushing and everything. And then you could easily say, look, I know you're 
because uh, guys will typically do hit and runs on stationary goals. They'll then you should say, you know, set the scene. You say, look, I know you're waiting for your friend. Then you give the false time constraint, and look, I'm not gonna be here for long. I need to go meet my friends now. But then I would just introduce myself. You know, say, hey, I'm Tom, and you can, you know, offer your hand to her to say hello, get her name, introduce yourself, and then you're into the conversation. So in the same way that if you are if you were in a sort of congested location and you go in with your sort of do I know you opener or whatever it is you want to say, then once you've done your sort of showing intent thing, you can then say to her, look, I know you're, um, I know you're studying here and I need to meet my friends soon, but, and then give your hand, chat for a minute or so, try and take a number on Instagram. Yeah, so with the hit and runs, always have in your mind that they can go really well. You absolutely don't have to just do the compliment and, you know, you might actually be leaving quite a bit of money on the table. Okay, next question is about proximity issues. So the actual, the initial, the initial question was, um, if I try to take a step towards her and she steps back and redresses the distance, how long should I wait before trying again? And uh, I said to Mr. S, uh, you know, try about a minute later. Because I think that I, mean, I gave a minute, you know, it's just a number I've kind of pulled out my ass, but uh, I think a minute is enough time that she can then feel more comfortable with the conversation. If she's not feeling more comfortable after a minute, then I personally don't think she ever is going to feel comfortable. She's pretty much just like a no-girl. Oh, no, sorry, not a no-girl, but she's not going to let you close in during the set. Uh, so when you have issues with proximity, you know, you kind of have, you don't want to just take a really obvious step towards her. You want to try and hide it behind something. So, for example, you can shake hands, you know, off your hand. Say, hey, I'm Tom. And while you do that, you hide your little step in towards her. Another one you might do is you can turn to the side. So if you think you're then at right angles. And then when you turn to face her again, you're now a little bit closer. The last one is uh, like the mini bounce, like what's where I call the mini bounce, which is where you say, you're talking to the girl in the middle of the street and you say, look, oh, it's a bit busy here. Let's stand at the side. You know, I, I really like this because you're looking for compliance. It's really good if she says yes. Uh, it's leading, you know, she's following your lead. Uh, and it's just like another thing to do during the set. Probably the best thing about it is it lets you stand in a way more natural way to have a conversation. Uh, I find that it's so blindingly obvious to spot a day game set because people don't stand facing each other having a conversation in the middle of the street like if you met your friend or your girlfriend or something <clears throat> you wouldn't stand there in the middle of the street you'd move over to the side or you'd get going to wherever you're going so that's one thing you can do is always during each set just say hey look let's go stand over here and maybe that will let you stand a bit closer to her Okay, next question is a classic question. I actually get this a lot, which is, you know, what if the girl is giving me, well, guys will often say, what if she gives me nothing? But we've all been there, you know, it's a girl, she's giving you social eye contact. She's not really playing in with the banter. She's giving you average kind of proximity. Um, to be honest, it's probably, it's either a no-girl or, but she's just polite, she's standing and talking. 
or she's available but uninterested you know so either she's like uh she's single but you're just not her type she's not into you and she's probably thinking to herself uh you know like oh i should be going on dates but you know i'm just not really into this guy so you have a few options in this case uh, really the the aim is that you either want to kind of, you want to either sort of spike her out of that state of of being shy or saying nothing or you really just want to force the issue so the first one i like um i remember john matrix used to say that you can say oh i love how you're giving me nothing here but i personally don't really wouldn't want to say that i don't really like this line because it's bringing attention to the fact that she isn't participating in the conversation so i prefer saying something like oh you're very coy um you know someone could easily say all right aren't you just doing exactly the same thing as john matrix i feel like my one is a bit different because i'm not saying that she's shy which i feel look like would be slightly insulting i'm also not saying that she is actively not giving me information trying to not make the conversation work i'm saying more like it's just her personality type to not give away her information to begin with the added benefit is that to be honest some girls won't know what coy means and so in those situations you know then they'll qualify because they're like coy what does that mean and you can tell them and if you don't know what it means you should uh, should look it up so that's the first way of doing it uh the second way is to just bring the issue to the surface so you can say you know i'm hitting on you right or quite quite forward you just say do you have a boyfriend now i know some people and i used to think this myself will say oh you should never say that you should never say do you have a boyfriend but the truth is if you're at this stage where she seems to be available but uninterested if you say these kind of lines to her she's probably then going to tell you she's either going to lie and say yeah i have a boyfriend therefore we can't meet each other or maybe she is unavailable as well and this is the point where she can gracefully leave the conversation similarly if you say you know i'm hitting on you right she might be like yeah but you know what i'm not dating right now you're not my type blah 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 you know it's the first of the month i can't do anything whatever uh, it's ramadan i can't have sex whatever she's going to say right it doesn't matter it's just going to give her a sort of graceful out to leave the conversation rather than it being an awkward thing um and one thing i really like is that even with no girls i like to leave the set feeling better than i came in and her too you know so even if she's a no girl i'll say oh do you know what that's okay no worries no harm no foul but by the way you look great and you know have a nice day and she'll wish you well and you'll leave the set feeling good so even in those cases of no girls they even make my they they improve my vibe obviously if she then reacts positively to what you've said if she, if she say oh you know i'm hitting on you right and she says yeah i know i'm just a bit shy or if you if you say do you have a boyfriend she's like um no i don't have a boyfriend you know i'm just not used to this situation then you'll know okay i should probably tone down the conversation make it a bit more boring make it a bit easier for her to join in with and even consider taking an instagram as a bit of a softer close because it will allow her to sort of sell herself for more of your life. Now normally I would always go for the number first, but in this case, Instagram is a bit softer. What you might just need is is to be able to take the Instagram. It's easier to take that. 
and she can sell herself on the idea when you're not around. This, this really lines up perfectly with the next question, which is, should I push for her number? Okay, so yes, pretty much yes. Um, always try at least twice. So if I say to a girl, okay, um, oh, so like, I'd love to grab your number. Uh, do you use WhatsApp or SMS? <coughs> and uh, sorry about the coughing, by the way. I'm going a little bit ill at the moment. Anyway, so I always try twice. So I say, yeah, oh, I'd love to grab your number. Do you have WhatsApp or SMS? And she'll say, oh, do you have Instagram? And I'll say, you know, I'll, I'll playfully chide her for not wanting to swap numbers. You know, so I might say, oh, look, come on. You know, I might seem scary, but I'm nice on the inside. And try again. Or I might say something like, you know what? I really don't like connecting with people for the first time on Instagram. Which is true, because I would much rather have her number. But if she then says, no, she insists on Instagram, or if she says just says no to the number, I'll then resort to Instagram as a kind of backup. Um, always the... The idea of being of going for the number above the Instagram is that Instagram is publicly available. Anyone can really get your Instagram, whereas you can't get someone's number without them giving it to you, unless you're, you're a naughty boy and you're getting it through other methods. So she knows it's a more private piece of information. And there's also a, you know, there's like a societal frame that's set when a guy gets a girl's number. It's because he's going to take her out on a date and he wants to sleep with her and be even maybe like turn her into his girlfriend. So girls know this, so you should push for the number first as, as like the top prize. Uh, but you know, Instagram is okay as a backup. Just don't become the kind of guy who goes for Instagram primarily, uh, which I know is, is like a, it's a bit of a trap that some guys fall into because they think, okay, well, if I get Instagram, I can uh, DHV and stuff like that. And yes, you can. I agree, you can definitely do that, but I would much rather have the more direct line of communication that a number provides. And also, if you are following her on, Inst on Instagram, you're just another follower, whereas number, it's, it's a bit different. Um, now I just made some notes on Instagram, uh, is that at the end of the day, it's just another mes messaging app for us. So going back to before, I said, like, at least try for the number for the first time. Some girls just literally don't use WhatsApp or Telegram or something. They, they use, uh, they might use SMS, probably not. They might use, they probably use iMessage if they've got iPhones. But their primary means of communication may be Instagram. So it's okay. Some girls, you know, I've had ladies from Instagram before and even from Facebook back in the day. It's just the, you know, it's either some girls don't use WhatsApp or Telegram or whatever, or, you know, if you send them a message on SMS, they won't read it, or that uh, they just won't give their number out in the street. So, you know, it's not a big deal if you do have to take the Instagram. It's just not preferable. One thing I would recommend, though, is to set your Instagram to private. And that way, it's a bit of a, it's another piece of information, because... If she's into you, she'll have to ask to follow you. So it's a good test to see if she's she's into, interested. And then I just send my feeler like normal. You know, um, I have a bit of a harsher rule with Instagram. Normally by messaging, 
I send a feeler. And then even if she doesn't respond, I send a follow-up, like I send a ping the next day. Whereas if a girl doesn't respond to my message on Instagram, the feeler, uh, I just unfollow her because I just have like a general rule. You know, I'm not going to contribute to her follower numbers if, if we're not going to be talking at all. Um, okay, moving on. Okay, so this actually goes well, segues well into texting questions. Um, we went over some some real life examples, but of course I won't be showing those here because they're personal. But there were some general rules which we covered, which I want to go over with you guys today. <clears throat> so the first one is to do with feelers, follow-ups and questions. So in general, this is my structure. On the day I met her, about one and a half to two hours after, I send my feeler, and this will only include a statement. So I try and make a little joke based on the conversation. Um, now, the reason I don't include a question is that if she doesn't respond to the feeler, I can then send a follow-up message the next day, like a ping, normal sort of photo ping with a question tacked on the end. And it's a way better narrative than having had a question in the feeler which she didn't respond to. Now, obviously, you'd expect, look, most girls, if they like you, they're not going to care so much if you put a question in the first ping or not. Uh, sorry, in the feeler. But it's useful from our perspective as the day gamer because it gives you more information. Because if you send the feeler without a question, If you just send a statement and she comes back to you with a question, she's obviously showing you, okay, she wants to talk, which is good. That's a sign of interest. It also lets her come back with a more generic kind of nice to meet you too, which is a bit of a soft, it's a very lukewarm response, but it gives her more of an opportunity to respond to show her interest. Because if you come in all guns blazing, you know, random but cool, are you always so friendly? You know, it's then a bit, you know, if she just comes back with like, oh, nice to meet you too. It's like, you know, she's giving you the brush off. It doesn't let you build from a smaller interest into a larger one, which you would be able to do if you just use the statement. So then the next thing we talked about was generally with texting, you want to avoid looking too cool for school. So here's, here's the reasoning why. Um, look, Everyone is on their phone all the time, every day. Like, I don't believe a guy, if he says, oh, I'm so busy, I just didn't even look at my phone. I don't believe it. I, I think it is a accepted part of the modern dating market that you need to be an active texter. And you're gonna lose leads if you don't respond in a reasonable time frame. Um, even if some guys say things like, oh, you should make her chase, you know, that's not going to work with most girls. They're just going to be like, who the hell is this guy? He thinks he's better than me. Like, oh, he's just going to wait two days to respond. No, like, you know, I've lost interest in him now. So why my kind of rule for how long to take to respond to a message is this. Respond in the same amount of time she took to message you back. Give or take 10 minutes. You know, sometimes be quicker than her. Sometimes be slower than her. Just mix it up. It doesn't really matter. 
up to a maximum of an hour and 10 minutes. So for example, let's say she takes 30 minutes to respond, I take between 20 and 40. By the way, this is because I wanna show her I'm a real person, you know, and real people are on their phones all the time. So I say up to an hour and 10, but that's just because I don't wanna get into a, like a frame battle based on how long it takes to respond. You know, what am I supposed to do? If she takes a day, I'm supposed to take two days. You know, the, the, the interaction is the, <coughs> sorry, the connect, you're gonna lose the connection. So anyway, normally what I'll do is I will send my feeler an hour and a half to two hours after the set. And that is because at that point in time, I'm still gonna be sort of fresh in her memory and her feelings. Because when you're in set, you do create this emotional impact on her. Uh, and that emotion will stick around for the rest of the day. So not only do women's emotions change day to day, but there's an important impact of sleep, which is where this phrase, you know, sleep on it. You know, you, you wake up the next day and you see things in a more logical light. So that means the day before, the day when you met her, that's when you can take advantage of the emotions the best you can. So one piece of advice I gave to Mr. S was like, you know, don't be too cool for school. When you're setting up the logistics for the date, get it all done before you go to sleep that night. Uh, or I told him another example, which is that if she messages you, let's say you, you may be taking about an hour or so to get back to each other each time, but then suddenly it becomes half nine on a Tuesday evening and she responds in 10 minutes. That would be a great opportunity to have a, great, a little back and forth and develop a much stronger connection with her so she feels you know more comfort she feels more she's more likely to come out for the date okay uh, i'm actually going to do a, a quite a long post slash podcast about texting soon because i think some guys need some rules for texting um they either try to play it too cool or they're a bit too needy and uh texting is one of those things which is like you shouldn't be losing the girl based on bad texting because it's something you can sort out in your own time at home you know there's no like it's not like you're talking to someone and you need to come up with the right thing you, know, you need to say something good immediately anyway resurrection pings so uh the important thing to remember with these so mr s was showing me a few resurrection pings and i was saying to him that you know it's good to remember that it's not your witty remark that gets her back on the hook. It's really to do with whether or not she's horny on, uh, she's in that ovulation window or she's a horny part of her cycle. So if I have a lead that goes cold and I wanna try and resurrect it, I'm gonna wait about 10 days and I'm gonna send a, a standard ping, you know, a picture of what I'm doing with a sort of witty caption. But importantly, I'm only gonna have a statement. So this is sort of to protect my own value because if she doesn't respond, it means that if I have a question and she doesn't respond, it's obvious you just look at the messaging, it's like she's not interested. Whereas if there's a statement, she can still look at the message and, and the narrative in her head can be like, oh, you know, it was a statement. There was no prompting to say anything back. So that's my first try. So I would have sent that, the lead goes cold, I sent it about 10 days after. If that doesn't work, 
then I'll wait another 10 days, send a sort of, are you still alive message? And if she doesn't respond to that, then it's like game over, it's, it's over. The reason why I say 10 days is that it's giving you the best chance of catching her in that horny cycle, part of her, part of her cycle. Because remember, the most important thing, it's not your witty remark that gets her interested, it's whether she's horny again. Um, the next point was about logistics. Uh, this kind of goes back to the too cool for school thing. It was a small part we talked about, but what happened on one of these text exchanges is that Mr. S had agreed to the date, but then had said to her, oh, I'll get back to you about where to meet. And he sort of he, he actually even the next day came back to her and said like, oh, like, um, something like he hadn't decided where they were going to meet yet. I'm sorry, I can't, Mr. S will be listening. I cannot remember the exact part of the texting, but the key was what he should have done was just set up the logistics straight away when he had her attention there. Um, you know, you, you want to, you don't want to be this, Mr. S wasn't doing this, but I've seen other guys screenshots before where they'll say things like, oh, do you want to go for sushi or a walk? Do you want to go do X or Y? And I understand that they're, they're trying to do an assume the sale thing, but giving her a choice about the activity makes it seem like you are just bending over backwards to for her. You know, it should be that you as the guy, you know what you want to do, you're inviting her, you're giving her the time and place to meet. And look, if she, she doesn't want to do it or she can't make that time or date, she can just ask for something different. Um, you know, it's much more dominant to just say, oh, all right, let's meet at this train station at this time. Um, a good example actually comes from my very first wing in day game. And uh, he was talking to his sister about how, how refreshing it is when a guy literally just says, let's meet at this place at this time to do this thing. Um, I don't mean be an idiot about it and just like jump this out of nowhere like you're having a conversation about carrots and then you suddenly say meet me at this station at 8 p.m on tuesday you know you should build into the date request but then once you've got her to agree to meet you you should then be giving the logistical information to her lastly we were talking about just being interesting over texting um one thing i liked about mr s's texting was that he was changing the formats. So he was using GIFs as well. Not many guys do this. Not only GIFs, uh, you can also use video pings. Uh, you can do voice notes. I don't like voice notes myself too much because I think it's a bit too much pressure to get the tone exactly right on the first time you send it. And another thing is I find the whole thing is like when girls send photo, uh, voice notes of like what they did that day is like the most boring thing in the world. So... I don't really want to subject other people to that. So anyway, voice notes I don't do, but other people do them well. Uh, another one is that, is like when she seems to express a negative emotion, to flip it into a positive emotion towards you. Obviously, look, if she says something like, oh man, there's a terrible thing happens to her. No, you shouldn't be doing this. But as an example, if a girl is saying, you know, that she's having a boring day at work, you could say something like, well, I'm having so much fun today, it's enough for two people, so you can have some. Or, um, 
maybe she's saying, oh, you know, I'm studying so much for this exam, it's so boring. You can say, you can say something like, well, you know what, what's always good after a really long, hard study session is a good drink. So we should meet for a drink tonight. I don't know, something like that. Just flipping it towards a positive feeling towards you. Uh, and the last thing is when you send each message and you send something funny, you can just think to yourself, how can I playfully frame myself as being above her? Or as being sort of desired or high value in a way? Just as like a silly example, I sent a photo ping of a um, cup of coffee I'm having and the sun is just coming out from behind the clouds. And my joke, and it, this was in Warsaw, so I was saying, you know, oh, great coffee and, and being in capital letters, great coffee and a tan, you know, Warsaw must really, must really like me. And then the emoji of the, the ginger guy, like, so, <coughs> excuse me, of the ginger guy. So, you know, there's, it's a little joke, you know, I'm ginger, I can't tan, but I'm playing myself up as being the prize in this case. Anyway, something to consider when you send your messages. Okay, moving on to dating. Right. Now, this was something that's actually come up in other calls I've had before, which was, well, roughly like, how do I bounce, not how do I bounce a girl home, but like, how should I do it smoothly? And should I see the bounce? And what should I do if there's a time pressure? Now. I'll answer very quickly, if there's a time pressure, you know, she's leaving town tomorrow, whatever you are, it's a same delay attempt, you just always have to try and bounce home, no matter what, you just have to, um, because you're not going to get another chance after this. But when it comes to what guys classically say about seeding the bounce, you know, oh, oh I've got an amazing set of sun lotion at home that you have to come check out. Now, I, I don't really do this. Now, actually, to be honest, that's a bit of a, that's a good one, that's a funny one. You know, I, I don't do this whole idea of, oh, like, we need to go and watch this movie or try this whiskey at mine because blah, blah, blah. Because uh, I feel that girls know what you're doing when you do that. And so you want to actually just maintain as much maximum, uh, sorry, plausible deniability as, as possible. So normally, you know, I will say to the girl, let's go for a walk. And we just walk to my place. You know, and at my door, she'll say, oh, this is your place, and she'll decide whether to come in or not. Um, however, if it is a bit of a Western, very Western girl, a Westernized girl, then what I might, then, then have a little issue, which is that sort of game and pickup is very prominent in this culture. Like, not that everyone does it, but people are aware of it. And the girl is more likely to think that you're trying to trick her in a way by just walking her home. You know how, like, for example, the just walk, just walk her home thing is what I would do all the time in Eastern Europe. Whereas in London, I'll be calibrating, well, I'll calibrate everywhere, but more likely with the girl, I'll be saying this. Uh, we finish our drink in the second venue and I'll say to her, okay, we have two options. We either have one more drink here. No, sorry, I got that wrong. We either have one more, one more drink at mine or one last drink at mine, or we have one more drink here first. Obviously the implication being that we'll go to mine after. Now, of course, if she agrees to come to mine, it's on. If she says one more drink here first, it's on. And the good thing is, is I've kind of put the idea of sex into her mind. 
typically a girl will say something like, oh, you know, like we can have, we can, but uh, I can't promise anything or don't have expectations or we'll only be there for 15 minutes and nothing's going to happen. She's going to say anything she needs to to preserve her plausible deniability. And this is your point as a guy, just say, of course, no, no, no expectations. Nothing's going to happen. We're only going to be there 15 minutes. All these things. So do I try and see the bounce? No, not really. It's maybe one in 20 times where I will actually go for it. And that's only if the situation really, it seems appropriate to talk about it. You know, I don't force the seeding into the situation. Um, Sometimes though, I will, you know, I'll come up with a ridiculous seeding, which I I think is even better than the whole, oh, let's go watch the movie thing, because it shows that you, not only do you understand the game, you understand the game so well that you're willing to break the rules and make fun of it. For example, I want to show you my collection of sun lotions. Or I want to show you my lava lamp. Or another one I might say is like, I want to show you the, the amazing view from my window. Uh, it's the best view in London. And then you get to my window and outside is like a takeaway and a news agent. And you just look out the window and you're like, oh, so beautiful, isn't it? So, you know, like ridiculous seedings like that. I prefer those ones if I ever actually have to do it. Uh, okay, moving on. Inner game questions. So Mr. S was asking... Well, how do I strengthen my belief that what I'm doing is a good thing and that I shouldn't care about colleagues seeing me? So I actually think there's a there's a similar question in one of Krause's Womanizer's Bible podcasts about being entitled to younger and hotter. So go listen to that as well. But my answer was, was kind of general in terms of inner game, which is that you you have a desired trait. You have a trait that you want or you have something about yourself you want to kind of get rid of. So the first thing to do is to start by taking on the actions or and words of people who either have this trait already or don't have this trait and you want to get rid of it. So to begin with, you start by kind of aping someone with the right identity. So then what will happen then is those actions and words will feed into a belief that you have about yourself. So for example, Okay, let's say you want to lose weight, okay, and you don't want to eat takeaways anymore. The first thing to do is mechanically stop yourself from having takeaways. Do whatever you can to stop that. And then over a period of time, you'll just tell yourself, like, I have this belief, strong belief in my head that, no, I'm the kind of guy who doesn't do that. And then the identity at the end of the day becomes like, yeah, I'm a healthy person. Yeah, of course I wouldn't do that. You know, it's just, I have no desire for it. Anyway, so... um, one particular uh, issue Mr. S was saying was that he feels sometimes that he's a bit scared that his colleagues might catch him approaching. And so I was saying to him, well, look, first of all, you've got to just, well, you're doing it the right thing already. You keep on approaching because you want to act, you want to ape the guy who doesn't care about being seen. And then eventually that will feed into your identity because you'll have reference experiences where you'll say like, oh yeah, this doesn't matter. I've done this for years and years. Nothing's happened. Um, one thing I always bring up is the, this is just in case someone does quote, catch you, the secretary test. So my friend, Mr. V came up with this, uh, not the Mr. V from online, but a separate friend. Uh, so that if what you said would be accepted by the secretary or receptionist at your work, then it's fine. So one thing you'll notice is that most people are willing to accept 
femme-centric ideas as the backing for what you're doing. So for example, they see you approaching and you, if you say to them, look, man, I was just having such an amazing day and she was so beautiful, I wanted to go say hello. Most guys are going to accept that. They might give you a bit of a spiel about, oh, you shouldn't be doing that, blah, blah, blah. Then you can just back it up and say, oh man, I just felt a bit crazy that day, whatever. Obviously, if you say to them, yeah, she was the fifth approach of the day. I did 10 total. I got this many numbers, etc. They're not going to like that so much. Of course, the, the following question could then be like, well, why should you hide that you're day gaming? And to be honest, it's just not worth the hassle. You know, it's like, there's no point getting into these frame battles, these arguments with your colleagues, when you could easily just dismiss it with a, a very sort of femme-centric idea. Um, and the other thing is they're only going to see you do one set anyway, so it's quite easy to hide. The last thing I want to say is that, in general, people should be less paranoid. You know, um, I started my blog at the end of 2017, uh, and then I did the podcast with Torero in, at the very end of 2017, it was released on Jan 1st, 2018. And then I worked in my corporate job for four years and nothing happened. Like, here's the one thing to think about is that why is, if someone does, sees, you, sees you in the street doing a set, like, why are they watching you anyway? You know, why are they, you could joke, why are you following me around? You know, why are you uh, watching what I'm up to? And then, of course, if you're part of, uh, if you have a blog or something, it's, you could almost say, like, well, why were you there in the first place? Anyway, just food for thought. The key thing being that, look, I did my job for a long time, nothing happened. Hmm. So the next question is linked in to the previous one, which is becoming more entitled to really hot girls. So yeah, I'd recommend you go listen to that Krauser podcast. Um, so again, the first thing to do is to, you know, mechanically, just like give yourself some rules, you know, start to ape the guy who already does get those hot girls. And I was saying to Mr. S, just do this. Tell yourself, in every session, I'm going to do one approach on a hot, on a really hot girl, you know, a girl who's above the quality I'm used to. You know, like for example, if you're a kind of guy who's consistently having sex with sixes, the eight might be a jump too far, too far. But look, if you're having sex with high sixes, you go for low sevens, then solid sevens, then high sevens, then low eights, you progressive overload. But you just tell yourself, look, I'm going to do this set no matter what the pre-approach filter says. And I strongly believe that if you put yourself into these high-pressure situations enough times, you're going to, your brain is going to subconsciously guide you towards the correct behaviors. You know, it's like you'll become sharper in those sets. So not only, now I still recommend going ahead and doing your regular sets. That's why I said only do one to begin with. You know, don't, let's take that example again before. If you're consistently laying sixes, then, you know, throw out one approach on the solid seven. Then do two, then do three, build it up. Because you still want to be having the volume from your previous approaches. You still want to have that sense of abundance, that I'm still getting numbers. Um, what will happen is to begin with, you'll slow, well, You'll slowly desensitize yourself to her beauty, yeah, but that's a bit of a band-aid though. That's like uh, saying, it's like saying, 
the way to conquer AA is to just desensitize yourself to AA. Uh, I remember this is in uh, Jabba's book, Primal Seduction. This is just a band-aid, and I, I totally agree with him. It's that if you desensitize yourself to something, it doesn't mean that you're really over it. You've basically just hurt yourself enough that you don't care anymore. <coughs> That's the band-aid. But in the long run, you can get some reference experiences. So, for example, you approach enough of these girls who are above your average hot, hotness that you're getting. And eventually, yeah, some of them just like you. And then you can leverage that reference experience and tell yourself, okay, that's my new benchmark. You know, now I can expect something better to happen when I approach these girls. And also there's a you know, powerful sort of win-win reframe you can do here. You know, if you're going to approach these girls, you can tell yourself, look, it doesn't matter whether it goes good or not, because either it goes well, or I'm slowly improving myself by pushing myself into harder challenges. I don't expect it to go so well today because it'll be better tomorrow and the day after that, etc. Okay, moving on. So Mr. S was asking... Is was well was he polarizing too much? So he's a guy of Southeast Asian descent, or sorry, not Southeast Asian, South Asian descent. Um, he's quite tall, you know, pretty tall. Uh, I would say he's got a nice, quite handsome, got a handsome face, a warm face. Uh, and he was wearing not quite a leather jacket, but like a bomber jacket. He had some accessories on. He was asking, "Am I polarizing too much?" And I said, no, it's just the right amount. You know, he had just good accessories. He had that bad boy look. He didn't wear a leather jacket, by the way. There's a secret. You can look like a bad boy without a leather jacket. Although I do like to wear one myself. So the key with polarizing is to think, right, the amount to which you need to polarize depends on how, how good looking you are, basically. But if you are completely average looking, you need to polarize more because you need to find the girls who you have a niche in. Similarly, if you're quite good looking, you don't want to polarize because what you'll end up doing is actually dissuading some of those girls who would have just liked your mainstream appeal. You still want to have a few accessories here and there, even if you're good looking, because peacocking is good. You know, it gives the opportunity for the girl to say, oh, what's this ring, bracelet, necklace, whatever, watch. Now, when it comes to how to polarize typically right so you want to break down charisma into power presence and warmth most guys when they get into game they're nice guys you know they have lots of warmth they don't have much power and so that's why it's good for them to put on say the leather jacket to wear the skull rings to make themselves more bad boy because it contributes to their charisma and it balances out the warmth similarly Similarly, if you come into game and you are hyper-masculine, you know, you're <coughs> muscular, you're quite big and jacked. Just a second. Then what you're probably going to want to do is up the warmth. You know, wear softer materials. Make yourself nicer in appearance. Um, if anything, you know, you'd only have a small peacocking item. So yeah, just consider that. I think, to be honest, for 
probably like 95 to 99 percent of guys getting into day game they are already nice guys you've got a lot of warmth so you want to increase the power so you want to polarize as well because you're also likely to be sort of average looking okay the next question was on age um now mr s his first question was actually what is the lowest age he he thought he could like i thought he could get away with saying so i was saying to him you don't really want to do that that doesn't really matter because you know you don't really want to have this kind of web of lies going on you don't want to be like all right she thinks i'm 26 she thinks i'm 30 she thinks i'm 27 whatever it's going to be so i remember roy walker saying a while ago that if the girl is between like 18 to 22 just say 30. you know this is really useful because you know you don't try to obfuscate the answer which it appears you're doing if you say to her guess my age um 30 as well you know she will already she'll already be able to see that you're outside of her age bracket but 30 is is on the cusp of being it's still in the cusp of access uh, acceptable for those girls who might be sort of concerned about the age gap and to be honest i thought later on if you did tell her your real age what you can say to her is oh you can say to her, let's say you're 35 right you can say to her oh she says so how old are you again and you say 35 and she said oh i thought you said 30 you said no no i said i'm in my 30s so that's just okay that's a little trick but go ahead try it it might work one thing i would do is try and calibrate calibrate your age to the girl so okay if you are let's say you're 35 you're older than 30 right so but you're on a date with a girl maybe she's from eastern europe you might want to say your real age because they will accept larger age differences and it gives you more age dominance over her whereas if you're with a western girl you may want to go for the 30 mark because it will fit her ideas of like age appropriate dating but of course at the end of the day if she's asking you how old you are of course it can be because she is just saying it as a general question but it will often be because it's an excuse to you know it's because she has concerns about the age gap so just be ready you know just be ready for it okay lastly we've got two more things up first one very very quick we talked about profile pictures and one thing i really recommend to guys doing day game is you should still have professionally taken pictures even though you're only doing day game and not online the reason is that think about this when you get the number of a hot girl who happens to have a great who has a great picture you know some girls are just not good at taking pictures their profile picture is actually worse than how they look in real life but a lot of the time their profile picture looks great and you show it to your friends you're like oh look at this girl i'm gonna go on a date with she will do the same with her friends you know it's much better that she can show her friends a picture of a really handsome looking guy which you can easily you know go out do a photo shoot you take like a thousand pictures you pick the best one get the guy to touch it up just a little bit why not you know it's it's you put a little bit of work in today and you benefit from it for for years even okay and the very last point was long-term vibe so And Mr. S was asking, you know, like, um, are there any long-term strategies to improve your vibe? 
So, okay, to begin with, let's go with the obvious stuff, which is like be healthy, have a social side to your life, do things which interest you, you know, have hobbies outside game, cut out negative people in your life, you know, cut out negative sources of information, don't listen to too much politics or whatever, you know, like just, you know all this stuff already. Um, the next thing is, well, you know, when I do coaching with guys, I will go through some ways to like raise your vibe during the session. Uh, this will include, you know, typical things I do, like a little bit of clicking a couple of times or clap your hands or something. Uh, you might have a phrase that you say, like, let's go, something that just, pip, it just kind of pumps you up by 1%. Um, but the key is that you don't have to, you, you can do these outside your session as well. I mean, more examples would be, look, when you go get a coffee, just say to the barista, how's your day? Or, you know, when you're going down the street, don't ignore the charity people, just say, oh, no thanks, but have a nice day. You know, keep yourself social all the time. Um, you don't have to be talking to people all the time, by the way, it's just like little comments here and there will make you feel good. And yeah, do this even outside your sessions. So now I would say that my, my base state, you know, where my vibe is just in general every day is, is better than it used to be. Um, and not only that now, but like I really have this true belief I have uh, in the power of this, like the clicking stuff, the clapping. Now, obviously I'm not just like a clicking maniac going down the street. I do it once or twice and then it's done, but it just pumps me up a little bit. So yeah, I was saying to Mr. S, do this all the time. Um, and you'll, you'll be surprised at how much it can be effective. You know, to begin with, again, uh, this comes back to the inner game stuff. To begin with, you ape the good vibe, vibe guy. You know, you just think, right, okay, he's got it to work. So if I just do what he does, it might work for me. And then over time, it becomes part of your beliefs and identity. And eventually, you're that person as well, just through the power of muscle memory and, um, you know, just reminding yourself that that kind of reality weaving stuff, uh, just like a mantra, you know, you say something enough times to yourself, you'll believe it. Okay, boom. So those were all the questions. Uh, I really hope I covered everything there and that I wasn't too sniffly or coughing too much. Sorry about that, if it was. Um, if you yourself are interested in coaching, then uh, click the link in the description. Uh, if you're looking for infill coaching or coaching call, then I can do that. And that is it, episode nine of the podcast, over and out.